Welcome to Butterflies and Incantations, a podcast about all things weird and magical. I'm your host, Vanessa. Today we have Bibi. Bibi was born in Chicago. Attempts by her parents and teachers to turn her into a lady failed utterly. At a loss, her mother enrolled her in an acting class when she was six. She pursued this vocation until 2012. Along the road, she read every original spiritual text she could get her hands on, was given a rose by Jerry Garcia, and was an executive housewife, had two daughters, became a guru devotee, and ended up as the guest of honor at the Taos Pueblo on her 40th birthday. In 2011, the world of elementals began to communicate with her and told her to get a camera. She now is a photographer macros of stones and crystals, as well as hummingbirds who frequent her garden in Los Angeles, a blogger and retailer. Welcome. Thank you, Vanessa. It's fun to be here. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited because you have a very, a story that's very interesting to me and especially close to me because you've had contact with a Sumerian deity and that's very much my wheelhouse so yes yes and I must say when we discovered one another and you contacted me after I had I think I responded to one of your messages and I have to tell you that you are the first person who has responded to this connection that I had a long time ago so I'm thrilled yeah so well just go ahead and start by just telling us about it Well, it was a while back, and let me just set up the situation. I was living in, I was living in Evanston, Illinois, which is a near suburb of Chicago. It's, it's a wonderful place as far as places to live go. And I myself was going through a, a deep time. It was so deep that I was having physical sensations of, um, I remember the words, eating a metal sandwich is what it felt like. I was eating a metal sandwich. And the, these were all personal issues about background and being an adoptee and suffering from a very, very, um, let's say abysmal, <laughs> abysmal is a good word, abysmal depression. I've been and there. I know what that's the, like. Right, right. And I also was involved with my guru. So I knew at this point that it would be wise to not turn away from the shadows. And speaking of shadows, I had done a a two-year Jungian analysis, which was very, very um, key in my path. So all of these things are there as the garden. And it was one evening I was attempting to meditate and I felt extremely agitated. And I kept getting an image of a woman hung on a hook. Oh, wow. In a very dark place. It felt deeply underground, right? It, you know, there were all of these sensory um, uh, inputs like um, the smell of really damp 
what does damp smell like? Like, like not mold or mildew. It was damp, dark earth. It was deep, damp, dark earth. There was little or no light. It felt there was a lot of pressure, and what should have felt warm, it was just cool. And that was the initial imagery and uh, sensory input that so came fe- in. So you felt like you were in a cavern. You know, I'm I'm listening to myself tell you what what these the words. It does sound cavern-like, doesn't it? But actually, the sensation was like being in a a basement. Oh. My, it was my childhood basement. Mm. Back in, I grew up in the actual city. If anyone's familiar with Chicago, I grew up in Hyde Park, and it was a a six-flat gray stone, and there was uh, built at the turn of the century, and there there was. These buildings have these enormous basements that go on forever with all these twisty, turny things and lots of little rooms off to the side. And it was one of these rooms. Hmm. And I started doing research. Now, how did I do research? I'm trying to remember. This was in, when was this? It was in the mid-90s. So we had just, I actually, I did. I had a computer and I was trying to do research. I also had friends. I think it was a healer lady friend of mine who mentioned Inanna to me. And I just, I was familiar with the mythology, not deeply. But I actually sat in meditation, I think maybe three days after the initial uh, imagery came in. And I probably had read her name somewhere. I probably had read her name somewhere if I had read the, you know, these these myths. But I heard whispers. And if I can recreate it, it was nothing um, that one could turn into words. But like that, does that, does that come through? Yeah. I could hear it, and I can definitely turn it up when I go to edit it, so. There were whispers, and I saw suddenly in neon letters, Areshkigal. And it's difficult to translate into a conversational um, format the kind of downloads that were coming through. There were images. I had auditory um, messages. She began to whisper in my right ear. And it was, I remember, have no fear. Have no fear. I am with you and you are with me. So it was that that I really remember. And I must tell you, I wrote a very long poem and I no longer have it. I did not save it. I, I gave a copy to the healer friend of mine who um, I no longer am in, in touch with. Um, this happened, the whole thing happened over a period of about two months. Now. I'll go back to that abysmal depression that I was going through. It was bad, (laughs) you know, and you say, Vanessa, you understand it. You've been there. And it's these kinds of things. 
I gosh, I have so much compassion for those who who experience it because there's a place you come to where you seriously question whether or not it's worth it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I was I was at that point. I will share that um I had a few years previously given up custody of my two daughters Aww. which was part of the there was a lot of anguish and regret now that's a long story feel free to ask questions about that but it was this um it was about mothering it was about sisterhood my daughters being sisters to each other it was about like family relationship exactly this is what she came to help me heal I'm getting chills and very emotional as I remember. I mean, it was so beautiful. She literally saved my life, this life. She saved me from doing something silly and stupid. I was at a very similar point in my life when Nanana came to me. So I can very much relate. I'm so grateful. And the woman on the hook, Now, I understand that in the myths, it was Anana, supposedly, that Iresh Kagal set on the hook. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. Because I haven't looked it up. Okay. In my relationship with Iresh Kagal, she put herself on a hook for me. That sounds like something she would do, honestly. I'm very emotional right now, just (laughs) being honest. It was very incredibly um, transformational. I can Words imagine. can't do this kind of thing justice. You know that. Mm-hmm. But I'm here. I'm here because of the goddess Ereshkigal. That's amazing. How did she look like? Can you describe how she looked? She was very beautiful. She had um, this kind of a, a, a tawny skin color, but it was hard to tell because it was always nighttime and there were always flickering lights, but she wore a lot of eye makeup. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah. she spoke to me a lot with her very deep, dark eyes. She had like berry stain on her on her lips. To, pro- it, it felt as I'm looking at this now, uh, to enable me to see her more clearly. Her eyes were like these really incredible dark lights that lit up everything, that connected the two of us together. Her hair was not black. It wasn't black. It was a like a chestnut, if it was any color, because again, this is all in the dark. I never yeah. saw her in light. She was inside the cavern of my heart. Now it's kind of lit up, but back then it was pretty dark. I feel her there. I feel it's her in- there right now. It's interesting you mentioned the eye makeup because the Sumerians actually yeah. wore um, a type of mascara that was called coal because it was made from coal right. and they used it to to not just for for 
beauty purposes, but also because the desert is really bright. If you ring your eyes in dark colored makeup, it like helps dim down the light because it absorbs some of it and it makes it easier on your eyes. So it's interesting that you mentioned that given that bit of history there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she had a garment. Uh, the word gossamer <laughs> comes to mind. Um, there was flow. There were like long feathers, bones, long limbs. Yes. Lots she of was. Movement. That's another <laughs> thing that's right out of the out of the myths. She was described as having clothes. If she had clothes at all, they were they were. Oh, had had the appearance of feathers. Yes, there's like um, reflection and glistening and uh, movement. Um, that sounds amazing. <laughs> sounds beautiful. Another thing that comes to mind as I'm drawing her um, up in my heart and in my, my mind, my vision here of what I was experiencing First of all, it feels very present. And there is this sense of a combination of swiftness and languidness. Does that make any sense? I'm not sure what the word languid means. It means um, to be very uh, <laughs> um, languid is slow, smooth movements. Like deliberate? Deliberate implies sort of a staccato. No, this is, if I'm thinking in musical terms, but um, um, there's a flow and it's very smooth and slow. At the same time, there is a swiftness. It's a paradox and it does not make sense, but um, maybe she would alternate with being very, very slow. Well, deliberate, yes, in a way. Um, I don't want to get too carried away here. I just wanted to share <laughs> what was coming through because, you know, I can go places, honey. <laughs> I'm picturing, in my mind, I'm picturing like like a kind of a, what's, I can't think of the name of the symphony, but the one, dun, 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 dun. Yes, 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 yes. Um, that's either Beethoven or Mozart. I think it's Mozart. That sounds right. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Perfect. And um, mysterious. And there's the sense of everything is just the way it's supposed to be. And I'm showing you that I hang on. I'm hanging on with my body to this hook, right? And that's sort of, it's like, oh, it, it's a form of sacrifice on my behalf that I experienced. And she got off that hook. And eventually, you know, life moves on and um, I wasn't her, experiencing her in that intensity. But one thing you said to me when we first started messaging Vanessa is that it's rare that Arash Kigal initiates contact like that. Yeah, usually it's Inanna. I've met a lot of people who've come across Inanna, and I did myself. I've this, You're the first person I've met that said that Arashkakal came through. So that's really 
that's part of what's really interesting to me because like I've always felt a connection to her, but there wasn't a lot to go on. There's just a handful of myths and some descriptions and mostly a feeling. <laughs> you know, and hearing you talk, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that at that point in my life, I was feeling um, a sense that the world was against me. I was being unjustly um, vilified. People looked at the fact that I had given up custody and I, I was, um, I was judged harshly as Lilith, right? And then Areshkigal came in to comfort me and to show me how she did it. <laughs> so I, I guess maybe I, I was connecting on the basis of, um, you say there's very little information about her. Well, that's not right. She has every right to be known as much as her sister, from my point of view. Yeah, historically, there was actually a whole city that was dedicated to her that where that where her it was called her cult center center, and she had like a temple there. But unfortunately, just because of time, um, that that we don't have any of real, real, nothing really survived from that. So. Just be simply because it didn't last the test of time, like none of the tablets have been dug up. We've found plenty of other ones from places where, you know, Anana was centered or where like all these other deities were centered. But for whatever reason, uh, the city where she was the center has simply been lost to time. There's very little that survives, mostly just a handful of references and nearby, you know, references from nearby places. Well, it's good to be speaking Areshkigal's name because she does deserve to be remembered and honored. And Absolutely. I'm wondering if, because she's associated with the underworld, if fear is one of the factors that prevented her from um, coming down in as much detail as the others. I wouldn't be surprised. Especially really since... fear death. <laughs> Well, yeah. especially since um, during the Babylonian period, um, they really tried to push down any references to death. Um, the cult of Marduk rose up in, in Babylon and kind of became a, a political force in the area. And as a result, like anything they didn't like kind of got buried. And it caused a lot of problems because a lot of the people, you know, still wanted to stick to the old things, and uh, that was actually a significant weakening in the Babylonian Empire was caused by the, the conflict between the people that were, you know, still following the old gods and the people who wanted to just say everything is Marduk. There's only Marduk. Everything. Right. There's, right. there's no goddesses, right. there's just Marduk. Hey, Vanessa, I just want to point out, you've got a lot of noise on your end. I'm wondering if um, your microphone is rubbing up against something, or there you go. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, yeah, I think it, it was like sliding closer and closer to my mouth, so it was probably wind <laughs> from my, from my there speech. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just admire so much your, your knowledge and the fact that... Um, uh, I I love rare and unusual people, right? And <laughs> <laughs> I do too. And yeah, I can see that. 
So, um, you talked, you, you mentioned briefly that this moment in your past kind of was a life-changing moment for you. How has the, everything that you experienced changed your path in life? That's such a huge question. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I've lived a while. I was born in the early 50s, my dear. So I've, I've seen a lot of stuff go down. And there are so many factors that have gone into where I'm at now. But this was a, a um, boy, the, the, the term crossroads doesn't even begin to describe it. There are stronger words, but the vocabulary escapes me right now. What Precipice, happened perhaps? is mm, even stronger than that, a... Um, it has to do with uh, a, a forging, a firing, um, a deep change involving um, death and transformation and rebirth. This is what Ereshkigal came to herald in my life. And going through that, um, I need a thesaurus in front of me. And <laughs> <laughs> I get tongue-tied, but my form of tongue-tied is that the words are there, but I can't bring them up, right? So <laughs> they're... Um, what? Okay, I'm not even... I, I won't spend any more time, but this alchemy, if you will, enabled me to open myself to letting go and to actually dying to who I thought I was. So you've got um, self-identification, if you will, the way my ego was thinking about the life here, who the ego at that point thought it was, had to die. And this is what she wasn't demanding anything of me. She was saying, this is it. If you want to make it through, if you want to survive, I'm showing you how I did it. Take strength and comfort from me. I am your sister. We stand shoulder to shoulder. I love you, BB. These were the messages that were coming through. Meanwhile, there was um, hell and chaos and Armageddon all around me. Um, it was a form of, of mental imbalance that I had to go through as well. I stayed out of the hospital. I managed my responsibilities. I was still performing. I did a lot of stage work. Um, so I, I'm kind of like an iron butterfly in that way. I can be completely unhinged and no, nobody will know it because I'm really good <laughs> at hiding. <laughs> it's interesting you use the word alchemy because there's actually a term for that in alchemy and that's the black work. That's it, that's it, that's it. This is what this was. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, the process of um, transforming into gold is an ongoing one. It's an ongoing one. And there's still a lot of unraveling going. But I wouldn't be here, I would not have made it through if this absolutely glorious exquisite being had not shown up in in my life at that point in time and I think the biggest thing that came out of it is that I do not fear death 
or anything associated with death. I think death is a part of life, and it's very twisted backwards and upside down that there is so much fear surrounding it. And that goes into the whole thing about um, this reality and what has happened to us, etc., etc., right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm st- that's <laughs> just still... <laughs> It was kind of profound. So. So, okay I was a little talk. tongue-tied I for a second. I love silence. <laughs> silence is wonderful. As much as I love to talk, and I can talk, silence can be really good. Yeah, I've definitely learned my share of how to appreciate silence, especially doing meditation practice. I love your dreams that you're sharing on the Nox Mente um, uh, Discord. <laughs> it's, it's just, uh, you inspire me. <laughs> I've had some pretty intense ones the last couple of nights, but that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> right, right. So well, is, ask me anything you want. Go for it. Well, um, have you had any other deities come through or any other, you know, important figures or anything that... Yes. I have. One, um, that... I, I was given a spiritual name by my guru back in, let me think when this was, in 1992. So this is before Arashkagal came to me. That and was the year I was the born. Spiritual, <laughs> pardon? I said that was the year I was born. Well, of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Just just consider me your elder, darling. <laughs> It's a good place to be. It's a good role to have. It is. It is. And we do not honor our elders in this culture, which is, I'm going to, I'm going to do something about that. Anyway, so. I definitely see that as a problem. Oh, it is. It is. It's um, backwards, twisted, upside down and inside out. So there I am. She gave me a spiritual name and it's another name. I'll I'll tell you the name. Um, Sri Devi. And Sri Devi is one of the names for the goddess Lakshmi. And Lakshmi shows up in my dreams all the time. And um, I've never had her come to me in meditation, but I have her come in dreams. And I have one recurring dream since I, I was given the name by my guru of being in I grew up in Chicago which is on Lake Michigan in the summers we we had a house right on the shores of the lake in the dunes area it was really just beautiful I haven't been there in in many a year but back when I was a child it was really special and it was at that beach and I was standing in the water and next to me on either side were two baby elephants who had have these jewels inside their head and they're in the middle of their foreheads, right? This is uh, the image as it first came to me. And I've been seeing variations of that. I've been in that situation, let me put it that way. And slight variations thereof ever since. Like two, three times a year, I will I will have that dream. Is she a goddess? Lakshmi is a Hindu goddess. She is the consort of Vishnu, 
who dreams, oh, okay. dream of our reality. Lakshmi is the goddess of... She's akin to... Um, she's probably akin in some ways to Isis and Inanna. Lakshmi is the goddess of abundance and okay. of beauty, of wealth, and all of the higher aspects of those three. And she is um, the consort of, of Vishnu. And then the other deity who um, I am particularly connected with, who I feel I know on a very, very old soul experiential level is Krishna. I love Krishna. The god with the blue skin. The the god that all of the um, women in Gopal quarreled over. <laughs> <laughs> I love Krishna. And when I spend time um, doing Krishna kirtan or chanting, um, there is a feeling that is evoked for me that is so beautiful and so exquisite and he feels like um, friend, husband, lover and guide. So I, I feel very, very connected to Krishna. And That's I do see him in the form of blue light. Hmm. Even now at, at nighttime. Oh, that's... So he's 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 around. That's awesome. I've had uh, the only Hindu deity I've had any contact with was early on in my when I started following spiritual practices. I had Durga come through. Oh, Durga! And that was um, one of those. You wake up, but you're not really awake, but you think you are moments. Yeah. And she was stood at the foot of my bed. And when I first saw her, I thought she was a Nana until I saw a picture of her. And I was like, wait a minute, that's that's who I saw. That's that's not a Nana. That's someone else. <laughs> was <laughs> she riding she, her tiger? Um, It was behind her. But Inanna has one, too, so I just took that to be part of the Inanna thing. Um, but I thought it was strange that she had so many hands, so many arms. <laughs> <laughs> I lo oh, you were given a real blessing. Wow. And she, she simply told me, live your Thelema, which Thelema is a Greek word meaning your divine will. Yeah. yeah. And ever since, and then, and then I woke up again. Because <laughs> I woke up and that happened and then I woke up again. Um, oh, Vanessa, that's amazing. What a gift. Wow. <laughs> and so <laughs> ever since that, then I've been trying to do exactly that. And actually, this podcast is kind of an attempt at, at doing that. Um, Beautiful. It's been, it's not been easy. And I've not always been entirely clear on what that is, but I try. <laughs> you know, as you say that, I'm prompted to say what I've learned along the way is that some things are meant to be revealed in the reality of our time. In other words, it, some things just can't be quote-unquote figured out on the spot. And the meaning doesn't necessarily mean a literal meaning that can be grasped with the mind. Does that make sense? Some things are like 
picking a fruit and tasting its t- deliciousness, and some mm. things are like planting seeds. I love that. I love that. Reminds me of the Sanskrit word that um, means much the same. The word is bhav, like B-H-A-V, bhav. It means flavor, literally, but it's tone, it's intention, it's what you grok, right? So what parted to you, um, well, if you, you, which you have, you've completely given yourself to that transmission from what I can tell from what you're telling me and what I'm observing about you. So it will be, um, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing journey. It's part of your path, part of your sadhana. Yeah, it definitely feels like that, especially since how things build on each other. I'll have something and I'll never figure it out and I'll just kind of give up on it. And then even like a year later, suddenly something will come and it will fill in the blanks and suddenly that thing that seemed just like a bizarre thing like I especially a lot of my stuff comes through dreams so yeah. I'll have like a weird dream and it'll be like well that was weird but I don't know what that means and then like a year later I'll find out that oh I dreamed this myth that I'd never even heard of before or something <laughs> oh my god <laughs> what you were just saying prompted a memory which is directly related to Arashkigal. And Funny I just how that works, isn't it? Connection. And it's exactly an illustration and an instance of what you were just explaining. How years later it will be revealed, right? Okay. I'll tell you what happened way back in um, when I was still married to my daughter's father. He would go to work and I he would call me in the morning. He'd go very early and the phone would ring. This is like, we didn't have, this is in the 80s, you know? And um, he would say, BB, there are crows on the roof. And now understand, our, our bedroom, the master bedroom, um, on one side of the house and the roof was directly above it, just above that part of the house, above where I was lying in bed, hundreds and hundreds of crows were coming in a murder of crows were hanging out above That's my intense. head <laughs> and I knew something was up because um, you know <laughs> actually there is um, um, I'm working on my my very strange memoir <laughs> and that is in there but it, it what I'm putting together now when Arash came to me when I was living at way after years later and in the house I was living in, in Evanston, crows did the same thing for three days. Right after I first was initially put in touch with her, when she came to me, I'll put it that way. This is what I'm putting together right now. That reminds me of, uh, of the Morrigan from Celtic and Gaulish mythology. Oh, I know. I really resonate with all of that. Do you have Celtic? I do. I was adopted, and I found my my DNA um, lineage recently, and I do. I I have Celtic. I do. I do as well. Um, I've actually been researching that a lot lately, so it's fresh in my mind. <laughs> Want to hear something wild? Sure. 
<laughs> I also have Sami DNA. You know, the indigenous people from Finland, northern Scandinavia. I'm that not familiar, but that's really interesting. They're very cool people. They are amazing. They, they're they the, um, the indigenous of Scandinavia. That's really interesting. And I also have... Um, Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry it's like 43% so I'm a, a you know and then Celtic and uh, combination Irish British and Scots so that's kind of cool because uh, I do deeply resonate with the stories of all the cultures that are apparently making up this body Are you mostly Celtic yourself? Um, I'm mostly just various parts of the UK. So, like, my mom's side of the family came from England, but has bits of Irish and um, Cornish and stuff from that area, and potentially Scottish, though the the, my 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 grandpa on my mom's side his last name has Scottish origins but I like the the record just dead ends after that family came over across the ocean mm-hmm. so um, it's kind of hard to trace it back any further but um, and then on my dad's side it's um, Scottish and and Cornish and English, so it's just oh. pretty much ex- <laughs> pretty much my entire traceable lineage has been pretty much entirely from the UK. That's amazing. In Ireland, that's really cool. I have no information on my birth father, but I will tell you that I do believe, having gone through the the experience of being adopted, my parents, my adoptive parents were absolutely my parents and I have this sensation that my DNA also formed bonds with theirs. It's funny you mention that because on my DNA interview I actually talk about that exact concept. <laughs> I about know, how I listened to that. Yeah. I, th- I think that our lineage is not just our DNA lineage but all the people who influence us and that. Yes. Uh, their influences are actually more important than their, like, physical genetic code. Right, right, right. And um, there are inheritances that I'm discovering. Um, Well, this is kind of huge, and I might as well uh, share it with you now, because I haven't shared this publicly, but... There is a, uh, a genetic predisposition to mental illness on my biological mother's, uh, the family lineage. It goes back, and it's um, traced through the mothers and the daughters, et cetera, et cetera. My daughter has recently been diagnosed um, schizoaffective disorder, which combines the worst aspects of bipolar one and schizophrenia, and it's been a a long and 
harrowing journey. She's the most courageous person I know. She um, was once a, a thriving artist living in Brooklyn in her 20s. Uh, and now she has to live with me because she really can't function on her own. And she Aww. gave me permission yesterday, Vanessa. I asked her if I could share my story of my relationship with her and her battle with this uh, beast. And she gave me a hug and she said, Mom, I want you to tell it. Just go tell it. So um, there's that that comes from my inheritance, the DNA biological inheritance. And it's, it's rough. It's been a heart cracker. It's been a real heart cracker as a mother. But, um, you know, really to honor um, my daughter, I think the best thing I can do is to tell that story. So I'm letting you know, and in so doing, I'm, I'm making that public, which is really cool, you know, on the subject of DNA. And we are, I mean, and she is open to exploring what you were um, speaking about before I said that, which is the, the, the lineage versus the influences direct in the life. You know, this topic is actually kind of very close to me because I'm, I'm, I know some people that I'm very close to that have, I'm trying not to say too much because I don't want to tell their right. stories for them, but right. I know people who have that. And what, mm -hmm. what's really sad to me is that is the knowledge that I have that it's 100% a product of our society, the Western society that looks down on spiritual stuff that causes them to have to struggle so much. Because oh, in absolutely. other societies where this sort of stuff is more open and accepted, it's not like that. It's, they're valued and they're, it's seen as a gift rather than a, a negative thing and oh yeah she would because be of that they're shaman yeah right because, yeah they're the shamans they're the spiritual leaders and right. the stuff that comes through in our society is so negative because it's viewed negatively and so it responds negatively to that interaction Absolutely. but Absolutely. in places where it's not viewed like that and there's been plenty of studies to prove that it's not it's positive it's almost always positive and I find that really sad that there's people who, whose gifts are being treated like an illness when really the illness is with our society that views there you go there views you go. the the things as inherently right. negative and, and sees demons around every corner. And right, right, right. Which influences the the types of visions and sensory input that people who have this so-called illness undergo mm -hmm. you know it's a feedback loop and um so my goal in in telling the story because i can't speak for her my right. my goal in telling this story from my perspective is really just to uh increase awareness and there are enough people like you and i who will be willing to listen who will be willing to allow their hearts to be moved and uh, you know i 
who am I to say I'm going to crack somebody's heart open? That's not my job. It isn't, but, you know, <laughs> we, and I don't want it. Uh, actually, I thought about becoming a Jungian psychoanalyst for a while, and I'm glad I didn't. I'm so happy I didn't. Oh, my God. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm drawn to deep, significant meaning and poetry in life. So getting back to my goal... I just want to increase awareness. It's important to consider the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that was Ereshkigal's message to me. Yeah. Not only is it important, it will save your life at this time. You must consider the taboo, the forbidden BB, otherwise you're not going to last. And um, It's that union that shadow. Blessing. What you run from will will chase you, and you'll see it everywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, on that topic, I've actually had a bit of a lesson like that myself recently. Um, so, I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast before or not, but I'm a practicing uh, magician. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, like... Um, ceremonial magic and stuff Mm -hmm. and I've been actually working through planetary initiations which is essentially the western version of working with the chakras in Hinduism but it's or or you could even look at from a union perspective it's it's like essentially working with different aspects like different archetypes within yourself and bringing them to the surface and and integrating them into your psychology and that sort of thing and the one that I've done most recently was Saturn and Mm. Saturn has been a lot of there for a while I was having nightmares waking up in the night with horrible nightmares what got them to stop was just simply not fighting them just letting them play out there you go learning to just sit back and watch the story unfold And when I did that, I had woken up from a nightmare. It was a really particularly disturbing one. And I was really tired, and I just decided to say, you know what? Screw it. If I'm going to have a nightmare, I'm going to have a nightmare. I'm just going to let this play out. I want to (laughs) sleep. And so I just rolled over and made myself go back to sleep. And when I did, the nightmare turned from a nightmare to being a story of victory over overhurt like justice being done and in fact it, it featured utu the sumerian god of justice oh. actually bringing justice and like the dream was about um kids being abused and stuff and oh. it was really horrible i woke up you know i didn't want to face that dream again but i was too tired and and yeah it turned into utu coming and and saving them and justice being served and I'm now looking back, I'm glad that I had that dream because what started off as a horrible nightmare turned into a beautiful story about the god of the sun coming down and saving some children from an abusive so organization. beautiful. I'm curious, do you know what your Saturn um, uh, is in? What sign your Saturn is? <sighs> I if don't, you don't know, off that's the top okay. of That's okay. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm just saying because my Saturn is in Libra, my son is in Libra, 
um, as well as my moon and what you were just saying, just, oh, I really feel that. And I, I have such a, um, a strong sense of justice and that really spoke to that. And I remember reading some of your um, telling the, the dreams regarding the, the child abuse. So that you are, you're onto something. Vanessa, <laughs> you're hooked in, baby. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> I swear, every time I do one of these, at some point in the episode, somebody has to make me blush. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I like making you blush then. <laughs> yeah, you're doing good work. You really are. It's inspirational to me. Aww. Yeah, I'm not too old that I've stopped learning, right? I don't. And then I, I think th- I think the second no you do that is when you start dying. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, um, you know, that initial question you asked me. Uh, not it wasn't the first question, but you asked me what really I found that has changed from that encounter that I had with the Rushkagal, and. I would have to say that through going through a real death process, she showed me how to die. She showed me how to die in the proper way, with the proper attitude, the proper respect and reverence for death. And once I got through that, I think the rest of this experience up to this point has been an ongoing deepening and unraveling and being open to life. It's ongoing. The now, it's just ongoing. There's, it's an unraveling. The (laughs) never ending now. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And that's really her gift to me, I think. And what an important gift that is, really. So many people are living their lives filtered through anxiety and worrying either about stuff that's already over or stuff that may potentially happen and probably won't. Right. Or maybe will and won't be as bad as they they worry themselves into something that's worse than probably the thing actually is. I know I've definitely done my share of doing that. Sure, sure. And if people are brave enough to just stop for a minute and look and observe at what's going on, it would make a whole ton of difference. I mean, the way I see it, um, those of us who are here now, we, we just all need to take responsibility for ourselves and to look at each other and just just say hello. To not pretend that there's this big wall up and it's all tribal. We, just, we need to mature. Absolutely. And I think there are others you know, wherever you think they are, if they're intra, inter, <laughs> extra, or whatever, there are others in, in my sense of this who are waiting for us to grow up. Yeah, I definitely think you're right. And I definitely think that the internet especially has given us the biggest opportunity to connect with others and find find the the others amongst ourselves, but, you know also give us a platform to learn new ways of connecting with the divine and and all its many facets facets and uh, 
because we have so much information at our fingertips that past generations never had access to, I mean I could I've ordered <laughs> countless books to be delivered to my front door <laughs> that I've <laughs> built a personal library of really weird things and that I just would books. never have been <laughs> possible before and I think that's such a great opportunity if we you know get past the media narrative past the the fear and all the uh the negative stories that are just constantly being pumped into our collective unconscious if we can just look past that and see each other you know see the, the people for the trees not even the forest yeah. forget the forest look for the people and uh sing that out sister it's definitely Absolutely. it's it's so easy to get caught up in all those narratives but at the end of the day you know something bad happens on the other side of the world let let the people that are there worry about it focus on you know your next door neighbor that maybe just needs someone to say hi and be friendly for a day because they're having a horrible day it seems so cliche to say it out loud but then most of the best things are <laughs> just gonna say that absolutely and you know the same principle I, I think about when I first started studying um, macrobiotics and there's a principle that you want to eat food that's grown locally because energetically it just makes sense yeah and if we focus on our immediate um, in local time in, in you know local earth time we'll get more connected and yeah. maybe and we, you know we can, go there and then bring that back to, to the internet because it's it's so chaotic and so crazy right now the internet is a great gift it's also a beast and um but i'll tell you you incarnated uh, an amazing time <laughs> i'm glad you're here well i think we've uh, reached about the best place we could possibly go with this conversation <laughs> I feel very uplifted, and I want to thank you so much for doing this. I feel very uplifted. I want to thank you so much for coming on. It's been absolutely great, and I loved hearing from you, and you have a really amazing story, and I'm glad to be the vehicle to put that out into the into the collective thank unconscious. You. Thank you so much, Vanessa. It has been an absolute honor and a pleasure i had a lot of fun and a lot of deep insights are, have come as a result of our conversation today and i want to thank you for that too yeah it's been i think people are gonna like this one <laughs> i do too <laughs> well done well do you done. have uh, anything that you want to plug like a blog or a oh, book or anything thanks for reminding me i do have um a site it's the bbblog.com, as simple as that. And I have a, I'm going to get be getting more into this. I do have a, a YouTube channel. Just search the BB blog on YouTube. Uh, what else? Uh, that, that's it. That's good. That'll, that'll do. All <laughs> right. I'll go ahead and make sure I put those in the, uh, the show notes. Well, it's Thank been you. great having you. Thanks for oh, being it's on. Been wonderful. Thank you, Vanessa. Take care, and I hope we get to talk soon. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Butterflies and Incantations. 
be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow me on social media. This is Vanessa, reminding you that magic is everywhere. You only have to know.